Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Digest and Invest podcast brought to you by eToro. I am Sam North, the Trading School lead here in the UK. And as usual, I'm joined by the main man, Josh Gilbert, our market analyst based out in Sydney, Australia. How are you? Good to have you on the the podcast as always, Josh. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Always good to be here. Thank you very much. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. How are you doing anyway? Anything to report now you're allowed? out and about no policemen i hope are coming up to you and checking whether your coffee cups are full uh, i hope you've been all of it yeah uh i had a lot of friends ringing me back along as well um asking me about the helicopters flying around shouting at people so i think that sort of maybe come up on your news in the uk more than mine but luckily nothing like that you know it's still quite strict everywhere first couple of weeks out of lockdown but we can get out and about it was great to you know, get into a restaurant on the weekend again and start start eating and just doing normal things. Plus, it looks like our sort of domestic borders should open by Christmas, um, which would be great for everyone here as well. Might be the might be the end of all of this madness. Hopefully, I think we've said that a few times over the last two years, but let's hope the the end is nigh. So, yeah, I, I feel like I've I've kind of lived the journey with you um, through through lockdown. So I'm happy now. Yeah. You're out and about. Most of the podcast viewers would have, you know, joined us on the journey as well. So yeah, <laughs> they'll be happy for me as well. Yeah, It's football talk or, or lockdown talk, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. Well, let's get into the more interesting stuff um, on the podcast today. I suppose we've got to absolutely cover the, the Bitcoin ETF. Um, we can also get a summary uh, of, of the Netflix earnings. I saw you tweeted that, uh, well, late my last night, uh, which would be great for people to to get a little summary on, on how that came out. And then we can touch upon Tesla, which are reporting later today after the US cash close. Yeah, some great topics. And I imagine all of our listeners have at least one of those assets in their portfolio, either Bitcoin, Netflix, uh, or Tesla. So, you know, they either have one or if not all three. So I definitely think there'll be something there for everyone today. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if you only got into all of those three a month ago, you're, you're, you're pretty happy right now. Um, obviously, Bitcoin on that high. Netflix, I know, is going into the earnings on the high. Tesla as well. So we'll, we'll get an update on all of those. Bitcoin ETF, though, talk to me. What is the lowdown? Can you explain it to our listeners in, in 60 seconds? I think I, I think I can. You might have to sort of give me a stopwatch and shout end, end of the timer at the end. But I'll, I'll try. I'll try. Um, so the pro shares Bitcoin. Uh, ETF or the Bitcoin strategy, I think it's called ETF or ticker is BITO. It went live on the New York Stock Exchange yesterday as the first Bitcoin ETF in America. Um, doesn't invest direct, directly in Bitcoin, so it's not the spot Bitcoin, but rather holds the futures contract trading on the Chicago based uh, CME of the digital currency, meaning it'll have a high correlation with Bitcoin but won't mirror the token's exact value. Um, ultimately, the approval from the SEC should bring more investors into the crypto market as it has now more regulated structure superannuations in australia pensions in the uk iras in the us you know it will now have allocation to crypto 
you know, without the sheer um, difficulty of trying to add those assets, you know, from an unregulated industry into something like, um, you know, retirement funds, etc. How did I do? 52 seconds. Bang. Oh, I mean, you've got to be yeah, happy not, with that. That's not bad. Yeah, that's a yeah. good effort. Yeah. We've got all the information we need there, so we can move on <laughs> to, to the next question, obviously, about Bitcoin. Um, but perfect. So now for your opinion on it. Um, obviously, we've got the, got some of the facts there. So what are you thinking, short and long term? What what investors will it attract? Is this bullish? Could it lead to a spot ETF? What what you what's your view right now? And obviously, it can change. But yeah, um, well, look, the SEC has previously taken a pretty tough stance on on crypto, but I think the ETF green light does show that the regulator is now, or the uh, SEC as a regulator is taking a. Take, taking a bit more of a tolerable approach, I would say, to, to the asset than say something like you know China. We already we've already had the SEC and the Federal Reserve sort of both come out and say they won't be banning um, the asset. But I think we are going to still be a long way off a spot ETF, you know. And I think the the SEC might impose some more regulations as we go along. But like I say, I think it's a great sign that they're working to facilitate these investments for consumers because ultimately there's so much demand. And for that, you know, for them not to step in, I think was, um, you know, I, I don't think it would have been the right move to, to not do it. So I think it's really important. I think it's it's a pathway to a spot ETF, but you know, Bitcoin futures were approved in 2017, and we've only just got the ETF. So with Bitcoin still being unregulated, it's difficult to really give that time frame. But I think ultimately that this Bitcoin ETF it takes away sort of the fear that some investors have with with purchasing crypto you know for example if i was to explain to my mum right now how to buy crypto or what crypto was you know you wouldn't have a clue and i think it takes away the need to you know to store it in a wallet i think you know um having private keys you know storing it somewhere holding that i think that's you know ultimately it's um it can be quite complex sometimes and i think there probably is a lot of capital that isn't invested in crypto for for those reasons and because it has been particularly hard to to get access via things like retirement funds and ultimately financial advisors etc probably don't want to take that risk from an unregulated industry which you can sort of understand and i think how we diversify investment portfolios is changing and crypto is certainly being added into that discussion now more than ever so I think, you know, this will create a, a way that we can access the product via the stock exchange. You know, again, like I say, pitching my mum something like an ETF would probably be easier than trying to tell her how to take Bitcoin to, to cold storage, for example. So it's, you know, I think that just sums it up. But I think there's, like I say, there's always that slight fear around buying it. But I think, you know, they should eliminate that. Ha having said that, I wouldn't necessarily say it's difficult to access crypto right now. You know, you've got eToro, you've got you know, plenty of other ways that you can get access to crypto. I mean, most um, you know brokers like eToro probably have you know crypto on the platform right now. So I wouldn't say that it's it's difficult to access it. But again, I think there is that element of fear. But ultimately, I think uh, I think it effectively creates a bridge to crypto, which is which is fantastic. So I think this should be positive for the price action. You know, we already i think we've seen what i from what i read is that we've already seen a close to a billion dollars in volume from the etf on the first day of trading prices you know nearing all-time highs we're sat one percent off the new all-time high from bitcoin um so yeah ultimately it looks like it's had a positive effect and you know so far it doesn't seem that we've had the the buy the rumor sell the news sort of event which i think some thought we might but um yeah ultimately looks like we're, we're pretty close to that that all-time high
Yeah, you make a good point about the buy the rumour, sell the fact. I mean, if that was going to happen, it would have started yesterday. I mean, we had a, a decent day yesterday. We, we closed the, you know, the highest since that sort of previous all-time high that we had, like you said, 1% off. So, yeah, I mean, overall, you've got to be pretty happy with, with that reaction. It'd be interesting to see what happens when we do hit that all-time high. You know, is there a lot of profit taking or is that the catalyst once we break that for the next big push towards 70? Who knows? Uh, next yeah. up, uh, Netflix... Uh, did they get the green light or red light? Little pun for our listeners there. Hopefully everyone knows what that is about by now. Um, but heading into it, they're they're pretty much on their all-time highs. And uh, of course, Squid Game was, was breaking records. So are we happy after earnings uh, or not? I, I would say yes. I mean, if if you're if you're a shareholder looking at it, you know, right now from that from that quarter. You know, you'd you'd struggle to try and be disappointed. You know, particularly if we try and compare that to what we saw in Q2. Um, the market initially liked the report, but sort of dropped out of hours um, on the back of it. And I think, you know, ultimately we mentioned it there, but Squid Game sort of boosted up people's expectation in the short term. I think, you know, I think it was only within the last sort of week or so we understood the numbers that have come about from Squid Game. You know, it's now a record, you know, show, etc. I think if we don't get that. I don't think that the street expects as much. I think as soon as you start saying, "Okay, it's a it's a record show," we expect a you know we expect you know huge beats across the board and huge expectation. But ultimately, it, like I say, it was a great export uh, report. It, it beat earnings expectations, showed solid earnings growth. Uh, it was up eighty three percent year over year on earnings. They added four. 0.4 million new subscribers in Q3, which was up 193% from the Q2 number, which was one of the worst quarters for, for many years. Um, but despite this, I think what the street didn't like was the guidance for Q4, slightly modest with subscriber numbers, which was similar to Q4 2020. Um, and I'll touch on on sort of the, the spending spree in a moment, but they, they've gone on a spending spree. So that sort of then meant that margins will, will drop and, and be affected in Q4. So I think that's what the street ultimately didn't like. But it's important to remember that, like you said, Sam, that they're coming in on record highs. The share price has had a nice little run up in the last sort of six months, even in the last month. But in the last six months, it's up about 16% and up, I think, about sort of 10, 11% in the last month. So, you know, it's, it's had a fairly big move sort of coming in. Um, but coming back to sort of, you know, the, the, the the reasons why and and again that sort of spending spree we had some pretty poor content in the first half of sort of 2021 number of reasons covid had meant sort of production constraints we had again lockdown sort of you know considerably still going on over that time well particularly you know even in the uk in america if we think about when that content would have been trying to be produced for the first half of 2021 we're looking at the end of 2020 right and that's then ultimately affected the content that we had um but as like I said, since that time, bit of a spending spree. They spent eight billion dollars um, towards creation of new content in the first half of 2021. Obviously, in, in a bid to to bring new 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 content to attract new subscribers, and it's obviously worked with with Squid Game um, breaking records. That only, it literally only came out in September, so uh, big numbers. But there was also a lot of other new additions as well. We had new series of Sex Education. There was a new series of Money Heist, which is really important in or really big in in Europe. And I think what's really important is two of the two of the um, names you mentioned there, Squid Game and Money Heist, uh, are not um, sort of you know filmed in English. They're filmed in in other languages, which I think is really important for Netflix to create local content for specific regions to grow. 
um, and then being able to sort of then reuse that in, in English language. And then that then moves me on to the next point, which is where Netflix saw the highest subscriber growth. This come, came from, from APAC. Um, they've had previously a pretty low market penetration. More than 50% of Netflix's new subscribers in the quarter. So 2.2 million came from APAC. So again, it, the, the Squid Game obviously series has obviously been really well received. Um, and I think more of that content will be sort of produced to meet the needs of the APAC region and then can be reused globally. So the US is the largest market for Netflix, but we need to look at where the upside is and ultimately where there's still sort of a lot of growth. I think, you know, more, you know further pen penetration. Um, and I think, you know, in the US, it's going to be difficult. It's, you know, slightly saturated now. But ultimately, right now, it's, it's Asia Pacific where they can grow that. It only has a 10 to 15% penetration rate in APAC. And in the US, it's 60%. So I think that's why we'll see more of that content, like I mentioned a moment ago. But, you know, to round that off, you know, Netflix sort of continues to sort of ultimately dominate the streaming industry despite that competition sort of intensifying from Disney and Amazon. I think with this record spending, um, new a, a lot of new content, some some amazing content expected for, for Q4. We've just had the new series of You that's come out um, and a lot more to come through, um, uh, you know, especially around, you know, coming into the holiday season as well. I think that the subscriber numbers will be better than expected again, despite, you know, uh, maybe a slightly weaker than expected guidance from most investors. But I think, you know, Q4, again, will, will be um, will be very positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you've covered that, that spot on there. Um, so currently, as of recording, Wednesday morning, 8.45 UK time, Netflix, uh, well, it did actually get up to 6.50 and then uh, currently trading around sort of 6.30 down down one and a bit percent. But um, overall, like you said, it, it's, it's pretty positive, isn't it? And from a charting perspective, you've got 6.14 as level support and 5.74, which I think would attract uh, a lot of dip buyers should we ever get back down to, to there. Um, so we, we, we're getting in nicely now into the earnings season. Once this week is completed, there'll be 80 of the S&P 500 companies that would report just this week and, and uh, eight of the, the Dow 30 components. Um, so after the close today, Wednesday, uh, we have Tesla. So what are, you, what are you expecting? Another stock that, as I mentioned, is, is basically back on its all-time high. It's been on a lovely little run, has to be said, uh, going into tonight's release. So yeah, what, what, are, you, what are you keeping an eye on? As always, you know, big expectations on Tesla, you know, especially with its valuation, um, right? So I think one area to, to watch, I think will be important, will be the supply chain disruptions, chip shortages. Um, we spoke about the disruptions of, you know, um, you know, COVID with, with, with Netflix. And I think that that will obviously have an, an effect on, on Tesla. You know, Q2, ultimately, that they sort of managed to, to, to sort of navigate it pretty well so it, it will be interesting to see if they can do that again chip shortages again is that this is a this is a big one you know it's really affecting the sort of the auto industry as a whole you know my uncle tried to go and buy a new car at the weekend and said well you know, we'll have two cars coming in the next week it will be black or white you know you can't really order a car it was just more of you know take your pick we've only got two cars so um you know i, I think you know they they by the looks of it have, have sort of navigated most of these issues pretty well um if we look at their delivery numbers that were reported a few weeks back for listeners that sort of aren't aware the um something like tesla a lot of ev names and you know a lot of manufacturers as well tend to report vehicle numbers just before earnings 
Um, and yeah, they, so they delivered a record number of vehicles up 20% from Q2, 241,300 deliveries. You know, and they seem to be doing a much better job, like I say, than the rest of the auto industry when it comes to that sort of chip shortage. But ultimately, at some point, there's going to be that imbalance between, obviously, um, su- supply and demand. And I think demand in, in China is is rebounding really, really well. They had a bit of a problematic first half of 2021, delayed deliveries, you know, fair bit of domestic competition, and a little bit of me- media scrutiny as well. But in August, they delivered uh, just over 44,000 vehicles, which was another record high in China. And China is ultimately a crucial region for, for Tesla's success. Um, you know, they're expected to have 40% of all, you know, Tesla sales generating from China by 2022. So I think more positive news from China will be great for, for Tesla and, and the share price. That's something investors should watch for. And especially the, the expansion of the of its Shanghai facility, because they're also exporting quite a fair bit of um, they're exporting a fair bit of cars from from China right now as well. But as we know, look, there's there's a huge demand for for their vehicles, and that's obviously being shown in the deliveries, and it's only sort of growing. And that then demand also re- resonates with investors and the investor sentiment. You know, Tesla's the most held stock by Toro investors globally in Q2 2021. And, and it's been that way for a very long time. Uh, I think it's only maybe come off the top spot a couple of times, and, and that was only for, for Neo, I think, at the time as well. So, um, you know, Tesla's Bitcoin investment as well. You know, that looks to be pretty clever play by Elon Musk if we're going to touch on that. Um, I think I know they sold a bit back along, but, you know, ultimately that's, a, that's another genius play by the man himself. But bottom line, I think we should see a beat across the board if we're looking at those delivery numbers. Um, you know, and, and like I say, the demand for Tesla is only growing. New factories in Berlin, uh, in Austin, s- should be sort of f- finished at the start of 2022. That then should enable Tesla to sort of double its current capacity, which will obviously help that supply. Um, you know, which I, which I mentioned a moment ago would obviously you know be starting to be slightly con- constrained soon. With obviously as demand heats up, they're going to struggle to sort of continue to meet supply. So. Hopefully those new to, new factories will be open and uh, and running, and margins should also be watched closely. You know they seem to be only going one way, and that's up, which is positive. Gross margin, operating margin, is is continually rising, which is ultimately you know only like I say positive for for the price action moving forward. So it's hard to fault Tesla right now, um, but yeah, I, I think it will be an earnings beat, um, and I think one to watch will be guidance. I think that will be really interesting because um, guidance was pretty strong in, in Q2. That's what moved the price a little bit higher. Uh, but I think guidance will be really interesting to see if, if they are going to have any effect on you know supply constraints, chips. And then if they don't get those factories opened in time, you know, will we'll sort of demand um, exceed supply? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and big shout out to, to Elon Musk as well, just on the off, off chance that he's listening. Come and join us. Talk about uh, your your Bitcoin play. Um, but yeah, Tesla. I mean, in the last sort of four and a bit weeks, it's it's up just over twenty percent. So, you know, is that going to be a case of by the rumor on all this positive news, and then we sort of sell that um, that earnings? I guess we will have to wait and see. And of course, it's right underneath those all time highs that we had at the beginning of twenty twenty one. So, for for anyone listening right now, it wouldn't be a case where I'd say 
buy before that earnings release. Be patient, wait for the aftermath and, and, and go from there. But yeah, if you're a long-term holder, you're, you're, you're pretty happy with what you're seeing on Tesla right now. Uh, guys, we, if you made saw it, it with Netflix, didn't we? So we saw it with Netflix, didn't we? So obviously, uh, you know, pretty big earnings beat but ultimately not you know not a lot of movement and i think again with the run-up that we've had from tesla as you said over the last sort of month i think even from may it's up about 50 percent from its low in in sort of may june so yeah it would be you know you, you probably wouldn't want to be going in too early on a position like you say yeah absolutely absolutely you don't want to make that mistake of just sort of getting in right before an earnings release or right after there's no harm in just sort of letting the dust settle uh, guys, if you've, if you've made it this far, thank you very much for uh, for tuning in. We'll, of course, be back uh, next week and we'll be doing, or I'll be doing the pod with Josh, of course, but in uh, a couple of weeks from Lisbon. So we really are starting to take this this worldwide and we do have future plans, big future plans, of course, which we'll, we'll reveal uh, soon enough. But uh, look, you can find more information, uh, education, guides, webinars uh, at the Toro Academy. So feel free to to check that out. Uh, we will be back next week, as mentioned. Josh, thank you very much for joining. Uh, thanks, Sam. Hope all of our listeners enjoy the rest of their week. Take care, guys. Have a good one. You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com. <laughs>